Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hawks and Handsaws. This is Eric, your host this evening, slash morning, slash whenever you happen to be listening to this. And this is Brad, my co-host. Hello. I have a new microphone. Eh? And he's very excited. I'm very excited. You can't see his face, but it's very excited, along with his new haircut. I mean, that has less bearing on the podcast, but yes, I do have one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I've been listening to our old podcasts, trying to prep them for release, and it's just, my mic doesn't sound as good as yours, and it makes me sad. So I'm hoping this one even it out a little bit. There you go. Well, so now you might have a mic that sounds cool. Unfortunately, your mic doesn't look as cool, though. I mean, you can't have everything. Mikey than your your mic. <laughs> mine, mine's very retro mic, you know, like old style 1930s radio host or something like that. It's pretty sure. awesome. Sure. But my, mine's more my motif, black with the red <laughs> like indicator light. Just a lot of black. I like that. Mike, I got one of those too. <laughs> we are live with hawks and hand saws we're not we're not live you can't ask yeah, us well questions. you know we are live <laughs> right this second <laughs> you and i are live with we each are, other yes but they don't they're not live you guys yeah. when you listen to this will not be live of course that also assumes that any of our episodes make it out into a streaming platform of sorts Anyway, getting on to the topic of today. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you may have had different experiences than us, but I doubt it. The world has kind of been on shutdown um, for a while, you know, after COVID, we had about a year of shutdown and we're finally starting to get back into normalcy. Um, but uh, people, you may have noticed this seem to have forgotten a little bit of how to interact socially (laughs) with each other. (laughs) And so um, I've noticed this, especially as a teacher, my students have forgotten how to be students. Um, And we're going to be going into a new year here. And we'll see if we've warmed back up to normal levels. I, I would wager not. It'll probably be a slow process, but we'll see what happens. Um. All the same, though, one of the hardest things I'm sure we can all agree about being here on Earth together is being on the Earth together. (laughs) Wouldn't life be so easy (laughs) if you only had to deal with yourself? But we have to deal with other people and navigate social circumstances and try and figure out nuances of communication. That makes life difficult. And as such, uh, it it's kind of a miracle almost that we get to the point where we can actually stand the company of other people. <laughs> um, we're, I guess we're we're bringing this all back to friends. We find people out there in the world that we're like, "Hey, you're a cool person." And so we kind of wanted to dive in here a little bit about what it really means to be friends. 
So I'm. Uh, I guess we're we're gonna start this off with a question to you, Brad. But mm. do you have a number of friends that you converse with on a regular basis? Friends that you are not related to. I would say yes. Okay. How how many? How many? Are we quantifying this? Yeah. Mm. So they're not just relative. just a ballpark figure. <laughs> okay, ballpark figure of people that I'm not related to, but I talk to on a regular basis. Yeah, in a friendly fashion, like you would classify them a, as friends. Okay. I don't know. Probably a really low number, like three, perhaps. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with that number. Sure. <laughs> three, huh? Three. So yeah. in, in picking out that number, what was it that you were looking for to think, okay, these people count, these people don't count. So like, it, I was trying to keep it current, I guess, is the the main thing, the main difference. I, uh, I, I would say I have a lot of inactive friends, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like, Absolutely, it does. Like, as soon as we're in, like, proximity to each other, I'm sure we would get along just fine, and we can go be friends, and we kind of pick off from where we left off, but that, that friendship isn't necessarily active. I guess is the best way of describing it. So the, the little chat current, dot is gray right now. Yeah, that's the one. And so, uh, yeah, I would say that I have three or so that are that are active, perhaps. But like, it's I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. <laughs> Okay. Well, I was even just noticing when I framed the question to you, I immediately put a qualifier on it as to what a friend was to me. And I said like some frequency of contact in a friendly mm -hmm. fashion. Right. Um, so that was something that I was coming up with. Maybe that shaded how you were going to interpret, uh, current versus yeah. not current friends. Uh, were there any other qualities that you were looking for? that classified someone as a friend rather than just an acquaintance or a coworker or wherever you happen to see people. So like I, I couldn't help but notice that you mentioned that not related to, right. Uh -huh. And so that's interesting to me because, uh, what, why is that a restriction? And, uh, I think that a lot of people have like restrictions on who is classified as a friend or not. Like uh, I have coworkers that I would consider friends, right? Like them being a coworker does not overrule my friendship with that person. It's just another, in the Venn diagram of whatever, they're in two circles <laughs> they're in two things. And that's okay. Um, Cause that overlaps. So I would say that's fine. Um, I don't, I don't think family means you're not friends with somebody. So that was interesting that you qualified it that way. But other things I was looking at, it, like the activity, I think was important. Um, 
like like I said, like there are people that I could call or go visit and we'd have a great time. But due to distance or just life circumstances, we don't talk as much. And I, I, they're still my friend, but they're not an active friend. Somebody I talk to with some frequency in a friendly manner. There's somebody I could and I have, but I don't currently. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's funny that you pointed out some more qualifiers, and I want to be clear that I was not saying in my specification that family members could not be friends. I just, in my mind's eye, that's cheating. They're built-in friends. <laughs> you, you see, and like you say that, but I think that's part of our family bias, potentially. I agree. Because yep. uh, I've, I've met many people from many families where that, that is not the case. <laughs> no, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. In our case, for sure, we kind of have built-in friends with family. When we do stuff, the first people we often think of is, I'm going to do things with my family. Let's do stuff. Let's go watch a movie yeah. with family. When we're separated from them, then we look out for other people. Um, but yeah, especially for me, when I have so much family still in my immediate vicinity, I don't immediately think, oh, I'm going to go do something with my friends. It's I'm going to do something with my family, mm-hmm. which I think is like an upgraded version of friends in, in my personal experience. Sure. This very podcast itself, <laughs> we don't <laughs> like each other, everybody. We just do this podcast. No. <laughs> just, just family. I mean, that's it. <laughs> no, we're family, but more than just being family, we have been friends forever <laughs> that's right my we, entire life yeah yeah if brad <laughs> is my nephew i am actually closer to age to brad than i am to any of my siblings <laughs> if that tells you anything <laughs> so yeah it's kind of yeah. funny to think about that way but yeah we, we've done to stuff together since kids yep And this is interesting, though, because we are separated by distance, not, not a little. We've got a couple, yeah. a state or two in between us. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And uh, yet we're still, I, I don't know, I, I think this is an active situation. Yeah? It is. It is. And like... Uh... <sighs> I've done a lot of thinking about this, so I apologize if I take this a little bit not where you wanted to go, but um, oh, take a friendship is a relationship, right? It's a yeah. It requires both parties to be at least somewhat invested in uh-huh. in, in the thing, um, usually with some time or attention is necessary to maintain this friendship, and uh, I have found it to be much easier to maintain friendships with people in my vicinity. Like long distance or digital relationships seem to be much harder at a certain level. So for example, um, there was a, a group of people I played D and D with in person in Cedar city. Nerd. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great time. (laughs) We we played in person for, A good while. And uh, none of, well, that's not true. One of these people was actually family. 
on my wife's side. But um, that individual decided to leave. It was too much of a trip to get up there. And uh, I think we also broke his campaign because he was the DM at the time. And uh, I think we did something he didn't like. <laughs> and it was the last straw. <laughs> like, we ruined whatever that he was trying to build. Anyway, um, and then it became all non-family people in this group. And they were a delightfully diverse group of people. And I enjoyed that about them. And we were friends, I would say. But they were also all coworkers. And I was the only one that didn't work at this particular company from or was related to one of these people. Like there was a like there was a couple there. And so one worked there and one didn't, but still related anyway. So I was kind of the outsider already, which is fine. But they came in to the group knowing each other, having had like a day's worth of banter with each other. Right. Then I came into the D and D night and I hadn't seen any of them for the last week, but they'd been having all these inside jokes and all these like, other things. And so I felt rather out of place in that, in that way, but it was fine because I still got my time and still got to, you know, ask questions or whatever and kind of catch up for the week with them. And that was great. Then COVID hit, like you mentioned, and everything scattered and shut down. Um, so we shifted more to online and then they also moved across the country, some of them. So I shifted to an online D and D type situation and it was a brand new campaign. So I didn't have any investment in it. And so we're all trying this, but I came for the game and that's all I had was the game now because they were too busy to do other stuff and to socialize before and after because they just got off work or was getting late or whatever. Cause, and they had all of their socialization with each other during work still. And I didn't have any of that. And so in order to maintain this friendship with them, I felt like I needed more time with them, which wasn't available anymore because of the distance. And so I, I've thought about ways of trying to reintegrate myself into it. Um, I also got hit with work, so I couldn't um, continue. But I've been trying to think of like, it's been a little bit. Maybe I should start that back up again. But I'm like, I just don't know if I want to because it's it's too hard to maintain the friendships with them in this, in this current state. And that's been the problem with almost all my friendships up to this point that they're too far and their lives are so separate from mine that we have to make an effort to take our lives and present them to the other individual to feel like we have that connection still. Now with you and me, you mentioned we're a couple States away. Why are we still friends and why that still work? I think it's because our friendship is a deeper level of friendship than these friends were. These were friends I played a game with every once a week and I knew them, but I didn't know them deeply, but like I've known you all my life. You've been there. <laughs> I know you very well. You know me very well. We can not talk for six months and come back and it'll be totally fine. Like it's this relationship is set in stone it, it's there like there, there is a lot of trust there and so that's why it works long distance and so when i mentioned hey let's make a podcast and you're like sure and then we did it and we made a podcast this is our uh, 30th 31st episode or something like well hot dang look at us we've been doing this for a while and it's because you said okay and I don't know if you signed up for 30 or so hour plus episodes when you said yes, that first text message, but we, we kept it going because you were invested in it. I was invested in it. And on both sides, we, we got it going because we, we had that foundation. I couldn't ask anybody else to do this. 
That's probably true. I can't think of anybody else who would sit down with me and do a podcast. <laughs> well, maybe so, your brother. Your brother might. He's not consistent enough with time. So That's true. By the way, bro, since you're listening to this episode, that is not a slight towards you. Just to say it. <laughs> but I've been trying to pin you down for a weekly thing forever. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So there's my, my long monologue about long distance friendship, I guess, that for certain depths of friendship, it doesn't last the distance. Yeah. So. It is interesting. Um, you mentioned the, the, well, the difficulty in maintaining relationships over distances and then just, well, even, I mean, heck, even our relationship, you, you talked about it being um, a deeper kind of relationship, knowing each other for a certain length of time, knowing our personality, each other's personality very well. Um and knowing what kinds of activities that you and I would be able to engage in. Well, um, like it still takes effort to do this. Like (laughs) we, we had to have this scheduled at a regular time every week. (laughs) Like it's not something that we could just, you know, Hey, let's do something. We we've got to make time to do this carve out every week this time so that we can make sure that this happens when we were younger and both unmarried, I'd show up at your house. Hey, let's go see a movie. Yeah, let's go. And that was it. You know? So we had a couple things. It was ease of access to each other for one, (laughs) a lot of free time, (laughs) you know, there are so many different factors involved in that. And I find that as I get older, Friendship in general is much more difficult yeah. because certain relationships take precedence over others. Um, We have friends that we live in the same city with and we don't see them often. We actually got to go see one, um, have dinner at their house on Friday. Uh, But that's the first time we've been to their house. They invited the whole family, which is nice. And they've been here Oh, I don't know, like six months. <laughs> That's the first time we've gone to their house. <laughs> so, well, like, wasn't that like a difference though? Like the adulthood, like let's go get me together yes. with friends. Let's go yes. bring the whole family and eat a meal together. And that 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 is yes. hanging out now. Compared to you showing up at my house, let's go see a movie. I heard about this crazy new thing. Let's go hit Taco Bell. Whatever we did, right? <laughs> Like sitting in the park eating our, my chalupa and you have like your 10 tacos. You're like, why would you buy a chalupa? We can get 10 of these. You know. Remember that conversation? Because I do. Anyway, like it's so different as an adult. Carry on. I wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, it's it's difficult, right? Um, me with kids, if you're going to go somewhere, it's just such an effort to do yeah. it. Um, and then you think, oh, nobody really wants to be burdened with my kids. So then sometimes you make an effort. Well, let's do it without the kids. 
So then if you do it without the kids, then you got to get a babysitter and you got to pay the babysitter. And if you're going to go do something with friends, well, you probably got to pay to do something with the friends too. So you're paying to do the thing with the friends and then paying for the babysitter. So it's like paying twice as much as you used to. And it's just so much effort. And then, well, if you don't want to pay the babysitter, maybe you leave the spouse home <laughs> and then you feel bad that you left the other one to the wolves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. So then it's a trade-off. Okay, fine. Next time you get to go do the thing with the friends. So it just becomes so much of an effort. And I was already a home buddy to begin with. <laughs> so then <laughs> having more of an excuse to be a home buddy just exacerbated the problem. And so talk, you know, <laughs> being able to maintain friendships is very difficult. Yeah. Um, I'll have to admit that probably one of the best things that has happened to for some of my friendships has been text messaging. It's been around a while, obviously, but having the ability to just have a continuous conversation that doesn't end with yeah. a friend has done a lot. But I've found that I can only do that with certain friends too. The ones like you were talking about that you have a long history with. Yeah. And it's those things in your day-to-day -day interactions like, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. And you shoot them a quick text or a quick picture of what you're doing. And they'll like jump in and you'll have a moment, you know. But if yeah. you don't have that shared history, then it's very difficult to keep things going. It's almost like... Well, I guess it's just conversation in general. You you see somebody that you're acquainted with, but you know, you're not sure what sorts of things you share. Maybe you know that they're a mechanic. You're not a mechanic. You're like, so uh <laughs> how's the mechanic business going? Because <laughs> that's all that you know that they do. <laughs> um but when you have someone that you have engaged with. For an extended period of time, you know their likes, their dislikes, what's been going on in their life, then it's so much easier to continually engage them, even if, like you said, time elapses in between those engagements. Um, but yeah, text messaging has been convenient in that anytime that I'm reminded of my friend, I can just shoot it over there, yeah. something that they, they would be interested in. That's what we've been doing um, pre-podcast. Right. Yep. We, we typically would just text and then occasionally get on a quick call when we had some crazy thought or bigger thing to talk about, which, uh, yeah. again, is something I don't think I could do with too many other of my friends. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's exactly, exactly it. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like, I honestly don't have that many friends I do that with either though, like with, with you, I text you and we have a podcast and we do competitions occasionally, which is probably <laughs> a topic for another time. Um, that is but, uh, yeah. we just finished one of those, everybody. <laughs> and I yeah, lost. We have family competitions. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> I lost real bad. <laughs> which I felt real bad about. I really liked yours. <laughs> Oh, it's it's totally fine. I like I saw you like my kids thought to, it was great. Hype me up and stuff, and like, you know, it's it's fine, Eric. But the judges have spoken. Out of a two hundred point scale, I lost by fifty points 
So already, if you dear listener can imagine that, I'm 50 <laughs> points behind the leader. It's, it's pretty good. Anyway, um, yeah, like I, I do this with my brother. I think he's also there. I do it with my sister a little bit. Um, not sure if my wife counts. <laughs> my wife <laughs> built in, built in. I think your spouse should be built in as one of those friends. So, yeah, but like I'm, I'm honestly a little bit sad thinking about all my other friends that have shared great things with that I don't currently talk to on a regular basis. And yeah. Uh, Yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I can monologue for a while here. I don't want to. Back to you. <laughs> so I guess, I, I mean, you mentioned a certain amount of sadness, not sharing moments with friends that you've had moments with before still. Mm-hmm. W- why is that? What is it that makes you sad about that? Would you like to maintain that? And why don't you? If you would. Well, it's the, uh, it's the common ground, I guess. Um, so I'm going to bring up one of my friends as an example from college. Uh, my first semester up in college I had a roommate. This roommate was great. And uh, we became really good friends. And then um, we, we stayed friends. So we took time to do like a, a two-year mission come through our church. Both of us, we both came back. We were roommates again because we really liked each other and we were good friends. And so like, that was awesome. But we had a shared experience of college. Then he moved up to Washington. I'm here in Utah. We, those aren't close necessarily. Um, I work from home, you know, <laughs> for a software company. He's a farmer in Washington. Um, wow. It, it's, it's like, like, as you said, so uh, how's the farming? You know? <laughs> <laughs> how, 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 uh, how's that crop yield? How, how did that? Like, it, we don't have much to talk about anymore. Um, we used to play games like in college, like video games. Like that's uh, something that could cross over. Like Call of Duty, um, kind of like introduce me to that franchise a little bit. Be beyond the first couple because I, I was playing Call of Duty the original and the big red one for all you listeners. Like I, all these modern warfare fancy shenanigans. I didn't, I didn't get those. But he introduced me to those, and we played zombies into the wee hours of the night instead of doing homework, as all college students should. And uh, <laughs> it was good, but like. He's married, like in his thirties or getting close to it, just like me, <laughs> getting close to being thirty. Don't like it, but I can't call him up and say, "Hey, you played that new Call of Duty game?" Because like he probably hasn't, because he's off doing adult real things now, and that was a college fun time. But I don't think he does that anymore. Like, I don't. What 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 should we talk about now? Because we don't have shared experiences. But like, if we were close to each other. Um, absolutely. Call him up and go do a thing or he would invite me over to his place because his place is huge because he's a farmer. He's got all sorts of land and nonsense. And so he has all sorts of cool things to do at his place. Like that would be awesome. But 
our relationship doesn't was not based on anything beyond we like each other. We like doing things with each other as friends. And that's it. But but now that we're separated, we can reminisce on old times, but we can't make any new memories necessarily because we don't have anything to do together. Hmm. That makes well, me sad. Could, but it's more difficult for sure. It is. But like it would be it'd be like this, like me and you, right? Like we're both taking time out of our lives to talk to each other on this podcast. My, my wife's over there doing something. Your wife's over there doing something, right? We're, we're leaving these people to, to be together. But in order for us to do something, we would need to make it digital. Yeah. Or I'd need to drive to Washington or he's driving to Utah to make this work, right? So the digital one limits our options. We can talk to each other and see each other. Or we can play a video game together. We can edit a Word document together on Google Docs. Like, you know, there's only limited things you can do in a digital space. I think and, I know why you don't have friends, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Otherwise, it's going to be a huge old road trip, which needs to be planned. And it's a huge sacrifice for one party or the other. So, like, it's... You're right. It is possible, but... Uh, it makes me sad. The benefits don't Which, outweigh the costs. Yeah. And that, yeah. that seems so cold. But like the, yeah. the cost benefit analysis is it's real. It's real in this case. Yeah. So yeah, it does seem pretty terrible, but I, I don't know that there's another way to describe it. That's kind of how it ends up being. You uh you brought up this idea too of shared experience for college. Like that was your shared experience. That was the world that you guys existed in. And that mm-hmm. was where the commonality ex- or stemmed from. Um, I feel like that's the way it works with a lot of friends, especially friends that we meet later on in life. Um, we meet them in specific circumstances and we interact with them in specific circumstances. And it's that circumstance where we have the shared experience and once removed from that experience it becomes very difficult to maintain it contrast with that with with you and i who are thrust together because of familial relations in lots of different circumstances right Mm -hmm. so your mom's my sister I would go to her place. She would come to our place. We would be around each other all the time at your house, at my house, at parks, at movies, at family gatherings. Our shared experience has is much broader. It was about everything. If you had school going on, then, well, I knew about the school going on and had we had shared experience of what it was like to be in school. Um and we also went to school in similar places. We went in the, the same town, you know, in high school. Uh, our, our schools were rivals, but, you know, was, <laughs> they're not far from each other. If you lit a firework at one school, you could see it from the other. So, um, yeah, we had lots of shared experience that mm-hmm. transcended one particular location. Actually, uh, I wonder if this is, if there's some, uh, psychology that can be brought into this and I don't, I don't know it well enough. Unfortunately, it was just something that was brought up in one of my educational psychology classes and it had to do with, um, 
how when you learn things, it's like the multimodal learning. You see things, you hear things, you smell things, you taste things, what, all of those things happening at the same time. You remember things better when uh, multiple senses are engaged. So if you're like chewing gum while you're doing a math problem or whatever, if you do that the next time you do it, then it might be helpful. Um, and we, we sort of talked about this in one of our earlier podcasts. I don't even remember what it was called now at this point. Um, it was something about how we learn. I think I don't remember. Doesn't doesn't yeah, matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so what it does is it engages our senses, and um, it's like a refresher. It's like ah, here we are. We're doing this again. I'm in this location. I'm chewing the gum. I'm you know I can then repeat the activity that I was doing. Uh, he suggested then that it might uh, be a, kind of an argument in favor of homework for students to practice doing the same things that they learned in a classroom setting, in a home setting, so that it was no longer bound to a particular location. It's like it's you're not just able to perform your math problems in your math classroom. You're able to do it at home. And now since you've got two places under your belt, you might be able to extend it to other locations now. It's it's not stuck in the particular fair weather performance, you know, like a sure. football team that only does practices on sunny days and suddenly it's a rainy game and they don't do well. Um, you know, so it's expanding the realm of interactivity right. makes it so that it's easier to do in multiple scenarios. So I'm trying to pull this all the way back to being friends. <laughs> Before and, you do, I'm going to tangent on this. I think his homework theory is wrong. Okay. But, fire away. Yeah. I, I don't think doing a math problem, unless something like a math sheet, like bear with me here. I, piece of paper with math problems on it. You do it at school, uh -huh. you do it at home. I think there's no discernible difference there because you're still doing the same activity. And theoretically, you have a quiet place to work at at home that's set aside for homework. You've just created a mini school bubble. Theoretically, Stupid. I don't think that happens. Well, in this house, it will. Got school tomorrow. I'm going to make sure this homework is. Anyway, the... Uh, uh, that's good for you, but I, I've been a Zoom teacher. I've seen inside people's houses. Nobody has a house like that except a I very did. select handful of people. Uh, I did growing <laughs> yes, up. You are different. <laughs> anyway, the, the point is, I think that's wrong, <laughs> but I think the theory is right. Like I've always learned so much better when I have like when I've learned something, then I can see its application in reality. That's always been like the ah. I get it now. Like yes. uh, measuring sides of a triangle, for example, when I'm looking at something, how tall is that? I can calculate that based on triangles. And that's great. And have an like, anyway, I disagree. Carry on. Back to friendship. We're pulling it all together. So how many times have you uh, calculated how tall something is by, you know, measuring its shadow? <laughs> at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Way to go, trigonometry. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So tangent on the uh, tangent. You, you hesitated. So what? I saw this video on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it was about Brandon Sanderson, obviously the best author uh-huh. ever. ever writes the best books like the way of Kings best book. <laughs> anyway, um, this guy was describing how it feels to read a Brandon Sanderson book. So he was demonstrating this by a math problem. So he was teaching a student. Bear with me here. Again, we're going places on this tangent. And he's like, this uh-huh, is a triangle. Uh-huh. And he's like, say you want to know the side of this triangle. And the student's like, it's kind of an arbitrary thing to want. <laughs> and I'm like, but okay. And like, it was a funny joke. And so I was like, well, so you have A and you have B and you have C. And then, you know, A and B is the whatever of this. And he's like, I'm with you so far. And he's explaining it. And then he makes a square using A and B. Right, so here's A and here's B. And this internal thing, if you take that, like he actually explained the Pythagorean theorem and how it works using like taking the sides and making it a square and the internal shape has like this thing in it. Like inside the rectangle, I think there's a square and that square's area is the whatever. It's a crazy thing. I learned something about math and I forgot it after the video was over. But it was cool. And the guy was like, oh, I see what you did there. You like had like a mental breakdown. That's what sanderson does he sets it up the rules and you understand the rules and all of a sudden like it all comes together at the end but it also topic the pythagorean theorem at the same time it was a really cool video it took like a minute and this whole conversation reminded me of it so you're welcome everybody wow this conversation took longer than the minute so i'm wondering how this video <laughs> turned out <laughs> <laughs> all right all right uh, <laughs> you are the, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty good at tangents, but you, you got me beat, man. <laughs> it's trivia time. <laughs> <laughs> I got two trivia questions for you today. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to get, make this easier. I've been giving you like, what's the number between one and a trillion? And like, and you have to guess it. And you still get closer than I think you should. But this one, it's going to be two multiple choice questions. Okay. Okay. All right. Looking for the mean number of friends, which category of people has the most friends? This is a self-reported study by something random. I don't know how trustworthy this is, but it doesn't matter. We're going in. Oh, so good. In We're the age brackets, so if age is the first category, which age okay, group okay. has the most friends? Okay. Um, 18 to 29-year-olds, 30 to 49-year-olds, 50 to 64-year-olds, or 65 years and older? 18 to 29. You are incorrect. That was the second highest. The age group with the highest number of friends is 65 and older. That's false. 12, 12 and a half. Second place is 18 to 29 at 8.9. So three eh, and a half friends lower. Next I disagree. Question: Which income bracket has the most friends? Seventy-five thousand a year or more, fifty to seventy-five, thirty to fifty, or less than thirty thousand. What was the middle one? There were four. Uh, the two middle ones were fifty thousand to seventy-five thousand, and thirty thousand to fifty thousand. Fifty to seventy-five. Eesh. And then the other one was seventy-five and up. Yep. That's a huge range. 
I mean, if we're looking at so, I'm going to guess that one's null and void. If we're okay. going to go 75 and up, it means there weren't enough in that category to warrant it splitting it any further. So it's going to have to be the higher middle. Higher middle. So the 50,000 to 75? Yep. All right. Once again, you got the second correct, like the ah, second one. Um, they have 8.2 friends on average with less than 30,000 a year having 9.6. Oh, that's close though. Yeah. And uh, of course, 75 and above is the lowest number of friends. So the more money you have, the less friends you have, interestingly, according to mm. this random whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, also, if you're really old, you get friends too. Yeah. Old and poor. The, uh, the lowest <laughs> like, category for friends is uh, 30 to 49 year olds at seven. Seven friends. So... There you go. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, we, we kind of talked about how that that might be the case already, just because that's the time of your life when you're working, you got family, it's all young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the busiest time of your life. You don't have time for friends. <laughs> Who needs friends? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but over 65 was the other one, right? So they're retiring. They're look, reaching out for people again. They need things to some, do. Some groups, yeah. 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 But I don't know. I still think that's bogus. <laughs> well, I mean, just think about it. You you see a group of teenagers, uh, college students, they latch on to each other like nobody's business. Like they need friends. Sure. And when I was a high schooler, like I had several friends especially during the school day. There are a lot of people that I interacted with and I don't feel like I'm a guy that has a particularly large number of friends. Like I ever had a particularly large number of friends, but I didn't have more friends than I had in high school and probably even in college. Sure. So I don't know how I feel about those numbers. I don't know. My my college group, I had like a healthy group of friends. I think there was like a, you know, five or six of us at a given time and a few other friends on the outside. So like nine or 10, I mean, their, their average here is 8.9. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that holds true for me right now. But 65 plus with how many was it? 12.5. That's so many people. How do you keep track of 12 and a half friends? Well, it's probably because <laughs> they're old, old Jimmy got, you know, cut in half before he retired. So (laughs) (laughs) great. (laughs) 12 and a half. So many. 12 and a half. It is so many. All right. That's a lot of friends. friends. Here we go. All right. Good, good, uh, good trivia though. I like those. What did you say it was from? I really want to research this now. Um, this was from gallup.com, <laughs> which is a, a, Sound. a news thing. So um, this was based on a poll. Uh-huh. I hate polls. Uh, let's see. For It was performed by themselves. So Gallup did a poll. Since I've never heard of Gallup before, no idea. It's totally trustworthy. 
totally trustworthy. Yep. Yeah. So do they also own like a friend making app? <laughs> Maybe. Um, they Specifically actually have quite a bit of data geared towards. So oh, there we go. The results are based on telephone interviews with randomly selected national sample of a thousand adults conducted um, from the 11th to the 14th of December in 2003. 2003. So, so there's a plus or minus three uh, percent for like your error rates, and that's like 19 years ago. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> I uh, so I'm gonna take this a different direction now. Um, I have observed being an English teacher in a high school. Unfortunately, a lot of my frame of reference comes from a teenager's perspective because I observe <laughs> the way they behave, um, and I have noticed a trend with teenagers in talking about quote and I'm I'm doing little air fingers here <laughs> fake friends and that's not a phrase that I really hear anywhere else except for teenagers and I'm kind of wondering what it is that they mean by fake friends what do you think I'm just curious I mean I didn't have that in high school so oh no i think a, it's a fairly recent thing to call it that but yeah i i, I would assume it, it means friends that act nice to their face but then talk bad about them behind their back or trustworthy or as soon as there's any stress or pressure then the that person turns on that person potentially like yeah yeah something like that, that. that's the impression i get too and i'm wondering what on earth, I mean, that feels like there's so many different factors here. And I wonder why it seems to be so particularly uh, prevalent with teenagers rather than adults. Why don't adults talk about fake friends as much? I, I don't know what this this phenomenon is exactly, but um, they they seem to bring up this idea, right, that there's some sort of betrayal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's a trust that has to be gained first. There's a betrayal of that trust. And I'm wondering is you know, what what exactly is going on is trust given too easily and also what motivations are there for people to betray this trust? Uh I I'm not entirely sure what must be going on. <clears throat> Cuz I'm thinking what are your motivations for being a friend for the most part? These deep soul searching questions. Um, I, I like having friends that uh, have a wide variety of interests that overlap with mine so a lot of it is uh um <laughs> d- dare i put it in such weird words but like mutual utility 
right? Like we, uh, <laughs> we, we like the same things. And so we can talk about some same things. Like, uh, for example, my, my wife, um, doesn't watch movies nearly as much as we do on our side of the family. Um, for those of you listening, Nobody's watching perfect. movies is, uh, I know <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> the hardship I have to bear sometimes. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. My family watches movies more than I think anybody other, any other family I can think of. Like it, it's interesting where, you know, you visit and like, Hey, good to see you. Want to watch a movie? Want to watch three? All right, sounds good. That'll be our activity <laughs> for the day, right? And like we, we quote movies constantly. We have like these are the approved movies for this section of the family, and then like we have you know the quote unquote black sheep that have other movies or whatever. Like my dad and or myself or like oh they watch other those kinds anyway, of movies. There's a lot of movie stuff in our family, which is hilarious. And then my wife doesn't really participate in that. So whenever I watch a movie and I'm like, whoa, I want to talk about that. I don't turn to, you know, my spouse who's next to me to talk about movies. I go talk to my brother. I talk to you. I talk to somebody else. I talk with you about it and post it on the internet, you know, but like I cannot get them to the same level of breakdown with my wife. And so I think my friends feel like a, feel that need that I have of like, I have this interest in this whatever. And we can be friends about that. Like I have a friend who plays Gloomhaven with me every week and that's what we do. And occasionally we get together and like the families together and we, we talk and chat and stuff. But like the main thing that we do is we play Gloomhaven and that's what we do every week. So I seek out friends to do things like that with me that, um, my, my current group of friends or family doesn't do those things or like those things as much. So that's a reason for friendship. Um, before I liked having people to talk to, to like counsel with, um, like, Hey, I need help with this thing. Talk me through it. I'm having a tough time. I need some help. Like that, that also comes up with friendship. Um, and and that role has shifted from like external friends more towards family. Like again, my wife does that spectacularly because that's important to me. Um, and we can talk about things that are important to each other. Uh, I talk to my dad. I talk to you. Talk to my brother. You know, whatever. Same same group of people. <laughs> it's all the same. I talk to five people. Everybody. That's it. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I I think it's based on. We're doing something fun together. We enjoy each other's company. We care. We have like a common interest or shared life experience where we can share things that are important. So like okay, it, it so, all comes down to like a utility to me. Uh-huh. At, at some There's point. a need that is filled by something that this person does. You have to, you want to discuss yeah. something, you want to do something, whatever the situation might be. You have the person or people that fit that bill. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. I'm wondering then if we're sticking this in a perspective of, high schoolers, what the utility is for friends. And I'm thinking because high school tends to be such a social thing, uh, yeah. uh, 
there's probably, well, I mean, I guess we know this, right? Status is an important element of, of high school yep. and figuring out who you are, what it means to be you and your ranking amongst other people, your age, all of those things that seem so incredibly important at that time in life. So there's a utility then for social status, maybe not shared experience, maybe not shared likes, dislikes, but rather you have social credibility and I want to be sociably credible. So you hang out together and maybe because you don't have those shared things in a deeper sense of, Hey, this is our thing that we do together. We talk about movies or we go hunting or <laughs> barbecuing or D and D. Sorry, didn't mean to laugh quite so heartily at that. I'm, I'm going to get you into a D and D session one of these days. I you don't think it. so. I, I highly I think you'd doubt really it. enjoy it. Actually, like I don't with think your English teacher background, I think you would. Yeah. No. No. I think you have. But anyway, preconceptions. But whatever. Of course, I do. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so because they don't have that to, as a foundation, it's more of a superficial need to be in a uh, certain social hierarchy that when it's loyalties are then betrayed easier, right? Because it's not based on anything solid or fundamental about who you are as a person. It's more leverage, maybe. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here, hoping yeah, that maybe I mean, I'll land on something. I, I didn't have that experience in high school, um, going for like status. Like uh, in, in my high school, it was very group-based. Like uh -huh. those are the football players over there. Those are the water polo players, those are the drama kids, those are the band kids. And like they all had like their little groups. Um, those are like the skateboarder kids. Those are the kind of, you know, edgy kids. Those are the, whatever. Like there's, there's groups of all sorts of people. And there was my little group of friends who we had two drama kids and I was kind of in drama a little bit. Um, I think one of them was in band as well. Like it was the, it was the four of us in the beginning of high school and we hung out together. We had met in junior high. Um, one was trying to be more popular. One was trying to go hard into um, band. I think one was going hard into the drama and like, that was really cool. I was going hard into the, not any of those um, <laughs> or anything really school related. I was just trying to do my thing, but like I, I had friends scattered around in every little group. And so like I could go to almost every group and know somebody there because I just talked to people. Um, so I wasn't trying to climb any social hierarchy in high school. I was actively trying to not be in a hierarchy to not be visible to like some extent. Now that was kind of my thing. I, I get that I'm not the rule here, but um, I think within certain groups, there is a social status, like the the best football player, right? That matters to football players. But as soon as that football player is outside of the football player group and hangs out with the band kids or whatever, 
that social <laughs> status doesn't carry over, right? Like it doesn't, it's not valid. And so I, I don't know if that was part of it, why, why the groups were so important, because that group acknowledged where you are maybe. But I think fake friends comes from something else. I think it comes from a movement in the world of being very, uh, I, I guess, politically correct or like very cautious with how you say things, which has led to a, a new wave of being artificially nice when you really don't believe what you're saying. <laughs> and, like, I'm intrigued by this. You're going to have to explain. Yeah. We're currently in a culture where if you say something that isn't widely accepted, then you have a whole bunch of people very angry and yelling at you, right? And do you okay, know what I'm talking okay. about? Like, like yeah, especially course. for very tech. Ask J.K. Rowling. Kids. You know, J.K. Rowling is a great example of saying stuff and having a whole bunch of hate mail being sent her way. Yeah. Um, Public figures is one thing for sure, but I think there is a hypersensitivity of like, oh, you can't say that because like that's that's not allowed. And so that's led to a lot of people saying the right things, but not necessarily meaning the right things. Um, and so I, I wonder if that's part of the fake friendiness. So are you saying then that friendships get founded on insincerities? <laughs> yeah, I think it might be the case. Huh. We're like interesting in, in the effort of not being offensive, right? Then they so don't is actually it, share is it almost like saying themselves. yes to a date when you really didn't want to go on the date, but because of cultural norms, you have to say yes when someone asks you to go on a date? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, but instead of you know whatever topic you want to talk about, like hey, what do you think about such and such? Like oh yeah, you know I fully support that because it's the thing to support right now. Right, but they don't actually support it. It's just what you say. It's what you do. You, you do all the motions, but you don't actually believe the things. And when it comes to high school friendships, I wonder if that's happening there too. Where, in the huh. effort to be sensitive, they don't actually know what they believe in yet. So maybe it's like an honest mistake where, like, they they're trying something, but they don't actually believe it. And that ends up being like a fake friend situation, or if it's just they are so non-committal and afraid of somebody contradicting them and calling them out for something, they just only go with the flow, and so they're just easily swayed. That's not really a true friend either. That's just a. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder if that's something. Yeah, maybe. I guess what I'm struck by with the term, and maybe this will branch out a little bit, but what I'm struck by is it seems a very angry term, right? Fake friends. It's like, yeah. I'm bitter. And anger and bitterness is a very self-centered emotion. It's okay. about me. And I think friendship, despite... <laughs> how we've talked about it's it being uh personally beneficial <laughs> is also not you know true friendship isn't all about you 
it's also about the other person with, I think, the prime example of the ultimate friendship, your spouse, right? The person that you end up with, your significant other, whatever that looks like for you, that's your supreme example of a friend. And the only way that works is because it's not about you anymore. It's about somebody else. And so I'm struck by this fake friend business because it's so very self-centered. It's they betrayed me. I'm the one that's been hurt, all this stuff. Now they very well might have been hurt, but instead of feeling hurt, they feel angry. Hurt to me is a, is more of a shock. It's like, a, Oh, I, it's a longing for the other person. Still mm-hmm. anger is a desire to like, push them out, hurt them, something to that effect. While as, you know, just feeling saddened is a, a longing for the other person and for the way things used to be. And so I'm wondering why there isn't more of an effort to be that way, to be reconciliatory rather than to focus on yourself and to just cut ties. That's it. You didn't fit the qualifications for being my friend. You, you missed the contract. It's done. You're fired. You messed up. Yeah. You done messed up. Hey, hey, Ron. (laughs) Key and peel. Nice. Yeah. Um, The, uh, my, my definition of a friend, I think it's, that's what it was for me, but I, I hope for the other individuals I've mentioned that there was a mutual benefit, like we're friends for each other. Yes. Right? Um, <laughs> once again, talking about society at large, I, I don't, I don't know if this is where you're going, but the, the anger reaction I think is part of what I was describing. Um, when somebody says something you don't like, it's not, well, let's try to understand that other person. Let's get angry. Like that's the default yes. reaction. Now it, it appears. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people fighting against that. And like, I'm, I don't know if I'm one of them. I think I just try to avoid it, avoid online conflicts. I just don't see any point to it at all. But, um, and teens being so connected digitally, I wonder if it's that again coming into play where instead of trying to understand the other person, to empathize, to to value the friendship over whatever the slight was, um, the reaction is to get angry because uh, <laughs> I'm debating how far I want to go with my statements. Um, I, I feel like we are in the era of victimization like self-victimization um there are of course many people who are victims that need help i want to say that but i feel like it has become trendy to play the victim for attention for respect for whatever when when i was growing up and potentially earlier probably earlier 
being a victim was seen as a bad thing. And yeah, you got like, you got care and concern, but you never really wanted to be a victim, right? Like my friend betrayed me and that's, that's bad. Like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Like that must be really hard on you and hard on them. And yeah, you got some sympathy there, but I feel like victimhood today is, oh no, that must be really hard on you. How dare they? You know, let me back yeah. you up. Let me support you. Let me rally behind you. You know, like you then get like a, a movement behind the, the slight that happened or the, the whatever happened. Like the thing that it's made about you getting justice, right? You gotta get justice. You gotta get recompense. You gotta get whatever it is. Like that, that becomes yeah. the thing now where there's no longer just an I'm sorry. I'll help you move on. It's like you said, we want justice for whatever this was. And of course that happened when I was a kid too, but like it become, it seems to be much more prevalent of like, this thing happened. We need justice for this thing. And that's always the rallying cry. Um, let's have somebody else pay for what they did. Anger, anger. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I think that brings up uh, some interesting ideas and I wonder if that's not a conversation for another podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I do like this, this topic that we bring up with friendship being yes, a selfish thing in that we have a need and we're, we're reaching out and looking for someone to help fill that need. But also, like you said, it's, it's a give and take. We, are that thing for other people too. And the recognition yeah. that we are that and want to be that to help them and be there for them when it's inconvenient. You know, uh, I think that's where true friendship really comes into play is when it's inconvenient and they need us, we're there. Yeah. When something cataclysmic happens between the two of you, Rather than cut ties, you try and repair it. Maybe it can't be repaired. Maybe sometimes, depending on what happened, it oughtn't to be repaired. Um, but it's it can't be a completely selfish thing or it just doesn't work. So, and the... The reason, too, why I spend so much time on teenagers is uh, there's a really fantastic line from a poem I love. It's actually the prologue to uh, Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. And in, there's a line that he says in it, we are but older, or he says, the speaker of the poem, he says, we are but older children, dear, who fret to find our bedtime near. And, <clears throat> you know, bedtime, I assume... Kind of refer. You could say that it's like referring to death. It's just we get old and death looms near, and it's like we we don't want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Where people never really grow up. I've discovered the same habits, <clears throat> the same personalities, the same sorts of things that we see and mock in teenagers <laughs> are the same things that we still do in different ways but it's all still there. And some of us just never grow up. So it's easier to notice it in them 
just because it's so right in front of your face. But I think there's a lot that we as adults can learn from their experiences um, about how we interact with each other, how we are friends or not with uh, the people that we interact with. You had a thought. I had a thought. I like like your little your quote there um i I took it a slightly different way but i don't want to really go down that path but i I was thinking the teenagers are probably a really good litmus test for what our current society values Uh uh-huh right because they're they're just i've noticed with my kid that you know she's a sponge she absorbs everything from from us, her parents, as she interacts with the most. Um, as soon as you're in high school, right? Like that's kind of when the floodgates of the world kind of open up for you, right? And the world's kind mm-hmm. of dumps societal pressures on you. Just there you go, <sighs> high school. And, and I feel like they absorb all of that. So I think high school, like you were talking about, it's just just us, <laughs> just who we are too. But um, I think it's what society now values because like uh, some of the most passionate people are young people. So they, they take whatever they value to the extreme and uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Think about. Anyway, well, this has been an interesting uh, discussion overall, I think about, about friends. And I don't know that we've, discovered anything groundbreaking (laughs) like we never really do, but it's always uh, enlightening uh, to hear your perspective, Brad, because you bring up things that I certainly wouldn't have thought of on my own. And I think that's kind of what makes the dialogue of this podcast so great is that we are such good friends, but we have such very different minds. And I think we're both enlightened because of the experience. And what a really fantastic opportunity I think friendship is because of this very thing that we've got going on here. Hmm. Well, you always ask the uh, the good questions when you host, so that helps. And uh, <laughs> I feel put on the spot a lot. <laughs> so uh, how many friends do you have? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just give that a number. No, I, I totally agree that. I think that's why it's always a, a pleasure to speak with you because we are different, but it comes with a level of respect at the same time where, uh, you know, there's some playful jokes here and there about various things, but it's immaterial. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I always value your opinion, even if it's very different than mine. And, uh, <laughs> this is not a joke okay this is not a running bit everybody but like for the way of kings i, I honestly think it's <laughs> the greatest book ever but like Brad receives no commission that it, for his advertisements <laughs> that oh, he doesn't need it um the uh like your your opinion about it changed my opinion about the book a little bit and mm-hmm. they're only like if i had read your comments just like on a comment on the internet or something about the book, I would have totally dismissed it. But since I respect you and we we have this friendship, (laughs) I really deeply considered it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, 
it's different. And so I've, I've realized that this book is the greatest for me and other people may disagree and it may not be for them. And it actually opened up a whole like area of development for me where there are things of people like for people that are for these certain people and it may not be for me or vice versa. And that's totally fine. It doesn't necessarily affect the quality of the thing. It affects the the flavor of the thing that somebody would prefer. Do you know what I mean? And like that, that whole train of thought came out of our friendship and without our friendship Uh being there, that would have never happened because I wouldn't have let it happen. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah. I must need to work on my language because I have to clarify guys. I do not hate the way of Kings. As a matter of fact, it's a very entertaining book. Anything I just, just want to get that out like, there. <laughs> it's the best book ever is not good enough, obviously. <laughs> I know, but it's not just you. I've got two colleagues at work who they, they kind of uh, playfully talked about starting a podcast with the three of us. And they, mm-hmm. and they say, if we do this, though, we're going to have to have this regular bit. And it's Eric hates everything pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bit. <laughs> I like it. Man, I never thought it was that negative, guys. <laughs> I've got a movie club at work that that I started. That I don't think it's mine anymore, honestly. Um, but I have that reputation too. I'm like I come in with like a film critic perspective, and they're like, "Why do you hate everything?" I'm like I don't. I enjoyed that. I just think this is a problem, and this just, is a problem. Yeah. 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 Oh well. Well, folks, thanks for sticking around talking to us or listen, listening to us talk about friendship and friends. Hope you uh, have good friends of your own out there and that you yourself are a good friend. Uh, it's not just about you. So until next time, folks, this is Hawks and Handsaws. <laughs>